Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tables with your host, Rob Bradley. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Rob Bradley, and I'm joined with my two co-hosts, James Burrows and JC. Hello, hello. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, really good. Yeah. yeah no, nice weekends all around, was it? Yeah. Yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely weekend. Yeah. Likewise here, more improv, a, a oh, pool yeah? party. That was fun. A, po- a pool party. Oh, okay. A pool party, indeed. Oh, I see. This is the thing. Like, this is the thing. I'm, like, I'm not jealous. I don't get jealous much about Americans or America, <laughs> but... When it comes to the fact that you guys all have swimming pools and you and you have or you have all have access to a pool of some kind, it's like exactly. it's like you just like you know you can just like rock up and you all have yep. barbecues and stuff. Yep. Uh, how was it? Was it good fun? It was amazing. It was exactly that. Um, if you don't have a pool, I grew up without one, but you always know a person with a pool. So we had that. We had a lovely barbecue, hamburgers and hot dogs. Very Fantastic. traditional Yank sort of uh, sort nice. of day. So it was nice. good. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I actually, um, I actually, I actually got um, my partner's been away uh, for the last couple of days. She's been up north. Yeah, and while she was up there, I kind of found myself uh, going down a YouTube rabbit hole of um, of barbecuing. I got really go into it. I watched this video of Dave Grohl being interviewed by um, Hot Ones. I don't know if you guys have seen it when they're eating really hot chicken wings. They progressively get hotter and hotter and hotter. But the interviewer, his his questioning is fantastic, and him and Dave Grohl really hit it off. And Dave Grohl was basically talking to him about how he really got into barbecue when he broke his leg and he had nothing to do for like six months. So he just thought, right, I'm just going to figure out barbecue and I'm going to, you know, get to get down to the basics and figure it all out. And when he did, he, he then went out into um, into L.A. and set up a barbecue and started feeding all the homeless. And now he's got his own barbecue business where he just goes around the country feeding the homeless people. It's, it's just fantastic. Well, it's nice that you saw that and were like, Oh, I could help the homeless, but actually, the, the, what I'm taking away from this is that I really need to barbecue. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you got to start somewhere. You know, I can't expect to just feed them. You know, winny ninny. I've got to like be able to be able to cook. That's true. Yeah, you want to want to be able to feed them well. Um, <laughs> Very true. Exactly. Exactly. So, what did you get up to, James? Uh, well, I had a lovely weekend. There was a like a, a a festival in Norwich all weekend from Friday through Sunday. So Saturday and Sunday, I managed to to get there. Uh, had a lot of nice street food, uh, drinks right. from different places, and there's lots of like cool and interesting things to see. So, uh, cool. shout out to uh, Knights Tower who were doing Ooh. medieval combat demonstrations and getting Amazing. people involved. Um, so yeah, I saw a, I saw a bit of that. Um, I talked to the guy who, who owns the company. He's, he's really cool. Said sort of what they're doing there at some like uh, games conventions. So potentially our listeners will bump into them at some point. Um, whether, they so are they like a LARPing company? Are they? uh no so they're like um what is i can't remember the name of like the like the actual combat sport where you oh, like, like battle reenactment yeah that that's that sort of stuff yeah but like the um competitive more like yes like hema thank European you martial arts yeah, yeah. is that what it is uh, oh, okay yeah. sweet but they also do go to stuff like schools because they've got these trebuchets they set up with um well the boy that what you were saying is they can set it up with like watermelons so you get that nice you can watch that nice splat impact of it Great. destroying you can also pack them full Amazing. of like wet sponges and you can have a team being attacked by these trebuchets and you can have one team sort of setting up the trebuchet and attacking the team at the far end um, how cool doing is that? damage oh. but yeah that i think they said like there a lot are of fun 
Yeah, they're yeah. at Norwich GamesCon, um, I believe, which is in a couple of weeks' time in 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 August, uh, and they're working with some some D and D games there, where they're going to sort of incorporate some of the combat from the D and D game. Where they're like, Great. okay, oh, okay, sick. get suited up. Here's a weapon. We're going to talk you through a bit of combat, and you're going to settle this difference yeah. person to person. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> oh, excellent! That's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's a blast. What was the actual festival you were at, James? If I could remember the name of it, that would be really good. There was a lot going on. There was like live music. Um, I believe it's some sort of like summer festival for Norwich, but there was yeah. uh, Toast, which was like, a poetry company um, that were that were great. They were performing on a main stage outside City Hall. There was another stage set up uh, in one of the parks of the city. Uh, and I believe Sunday, we just missed it, but there was a duck, uh, a rubber duck race where people decorated rubber ducks and you sort of dump them, <laughs> dump, dump them wholesale into the river and then watch them yes. go down. So, oh, wow. Great. Oh, but yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. Just oh, just bars and just live music in all the streets around the city centre. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really nice. Like there was so many people out. It was a really nice sense of like community. So oh, yeah, it was really oh, cool. That's not, good. And you're not absolutely knackered after that kind of weekend. Oh, shattered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, I do. I do love a good festival. I've not been to a. I've not been to a festival for bloody years, actually. And uh, it's funny because we've got wilderness just over from where we live. They, there's wilderness every year, and you can hear it literally. Like you could just hear the buzz of this festival and how much you could like you could like mm. feel the fun that people are having all the, all over there while you're like mowing your grass. You're like <laughs> people having fun. <laughs> Damn them! Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh. Do you guys have any games last week or games of the weekend? Two this week. I've got one tonight and I've got one Friday. Uh, this week. Last one for game. Keys of the Golden Vault, isn't it? Yes, my last, last one for Keys of the Golden Vault. Ooh. So um actually this won't plans. this won't be released for a day or two, so I could spoil everything. Yeah, <laughs> tell us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it might get released by tomorrow. So well, Tuesday. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's tonight. That's, yeah. We're all good. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, cool. Just don't give them the link until uh until No, yeah, it's fine. Um so yeah. they are currently in the Feywild at a, a gala uh party trying to steal a um a necklace. Uh, but basically, all the items that they've so far been stealing, um, they've been hired by this old um, crime boss um, that they have connections to. Uh, and bit by bit, they're slowly starting to piece together all the things that he's wanting them to steal um, seem to be related, and they don't trust that he's going to do the right thing. So what they've already done is taken one. And the crime boss has been quite understanding um, and said, mm. yeah, of course, like, if you don't feel comfortable giving it to me, I just I just won't pay you for the job. I hope that's okay. Um, and they've sort of had to swallow that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but they, they hid this um, this book they took um, with a, a faction, a, another, another group of smugglers that one of the party members, uh, a bugbear called Vanesti, um, was friends with. Uh, and what they're going to find is when they finish this last heist, is they're going to go back there. Um, and they're going to discover that they that entire faction of smugglers has been horribly murdered um, by oh, no. <laughs> by their patron um, as he searches for the book, which they've actually taken from the camp, but um, already, so it's not going to be there. So that'll be disappointing for for him, and probably make the bad guy a little bit angrier um, by the time they get to him. So yeah, it'll be fun. So they'll be trying to uh, prevent him from getting his hands on the last couple of items as he's finally reached his breaking point and can't take being defied any longer 
and then that'll be the end. And then hopefully we're. That is, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like pure party consequence. Amazing. Yeah. So, but then we're taking a break, and then we're hopefully coming back because uh, one of our one of the one of our players is uh, is getting married. Um, and so in between now and and then, which is like a, a month, <clears throat> month or so's time, um, he's focusing on the wedding because he's 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 a grown up and making sensible, wise choice to not anger his uh, soon to be wife. You're not playing D by... at your wedding ceremony. What <laughs> yeah. is this? Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm going to that. So that's that's really, it's really cool. It'd be nice. Oh, to, lovely. To, to see everyone. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah congrats yeah, yeah. to them, of course. Yeah, massive congratulations to them both. And JC, do you have any games coming up or any games that you've been running this week? Uh, I do have some games coming up. I did have some games over the weekend. I had another game of Wayfinders, which is the teen campaign that I run. Um, They are currently exploring uh, sort of a um, a misty realm called Darkon, which is one of the many domains of dread from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and some obviously some previous Ravenloft source books before that. Um, cool. At the moment, they are dealing with. Um, so basically, they found uh, Van Richten himself, which is an NPC that I'm uh, that I'm controlling in the game, and I'm <laughs> I'm basing him very much off of. Uh, oh gosh, uh, I'm forgetting the name right now. But that um, that German filmmaker and actor. Um, oh, why? Why? Uh, is he an awful human being? Werner Herzog. Yeah, Werner Herzog. Oh, okay. That's it. Thank you. Um, no, he's he's not an awful human being. Um, but he's, <laughs> you know, he's he's. I would like to see the baby. He has that sort of very <laughs> yeah, dry, nice. raspy German voice. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, he is he's unconscious and he's going through a thing. So the Wayfinders are trying to help him while at the same time trying to escape the realm and and help one of their other friends and get back home. So they're dealing with the Cargat, which is this. Um, sort of uh, underground secret police, but it's controlled all by this fantastically violent vampire. Um, and so it's it's very gothic. It's very what you would expect out of Ravenloft. Um, up next, and I believe at the start of next sesh, they are making their way over to this abandoned institute called the Bratislava Institute. And the book only gives you just you know a couple of kernels of fun information but in my sort of campaign, the Bratislava Institute has been abandoned for a couple of years after some very weird magical anomaly happened there. And as a result, all the former students and teachers and denizens of it have been converted into bizarre monstrosities and aberrations. And I'm pulling a lot of stuff from like bloodborne ideas and having all these like Great. degenerate slime scholars moving around the university. Wayfinders don't listen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of blast, uh, uh, hopefully a blast. Um, we'll see how they manage to uh, cock it up. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a way. Yeah. One of one of my wayfinders ages ago, I'm talking literal in 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 actual term terms of time, um, found a scroll of summon to Rask, which is infamous for having popped up in the Icewind Dale Rhyme of the Frost Maiden campaign. One of my players found this ages ago, this scroll of summon to Rask, and he constantly threatens to activate it. Um, no matter what the situation is. If if he's just a little bit pissed, the scroll of someone to rest starts peeking out of the bag and being like, this is a thing. This can happen. 
I can just drop the Tarrasque on the whole world in this whole city and just letting you know. <laughs> so that might happen. We don't know. I'll let you guys know when that happens. I've I've got and for the my game tonight. I've got a player with a deck of many things because it's like the end of a session. He's like, just so you know, I'm drawing at every opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what he doesn't know is I put together a deck of many things that is like ninety percent horrible stuff. And then ten percent is the best, <laughs> the best the deck has to offer. Can you give us an example? There's the one that pulls your soul from your body and traps it. Oh, God. Um, the void in the void. Right? Yeah, the void cards. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Oh man. Um, is it is it a bad thing that I have a physical version of the deck of many things like on hand that I can just grab? <laughs> a really pretty one as well. Wow, <laughs> just good to go. Just in the back pocket. There it is. Yep. Bam. Any right social here. situation you find yourself in. Pick a card, pick a card, pick a card. How about you, Ram? Yeah, I had a game at the weekend. I had a game with um, a group at the Emmanuel Church in Bicester. Um, I actually played with them back in September. And uh, two of them are actually pregnant at the moment, Naomi and Megan. Yeah, both of them actually looking like they're ready to drop. I think Naomi's baby's actually due uh, next month, in fact. So we've all had that one party, right, haven't we, where they want to do the right thing no matter what. Dead set on doing the right thing. And this party was no exception. So we're an hour into the game. It's a six-hour one-shot, and they've realized that the world is covered in famine. There's crops dying. There's fish that are poisoned. It's horrendous, right? And they're in, the, they're in water deep, and they're talking to a fisherman. The fisherman's like, oh, you know, I want to go out into the deeps. So I want to catch, capture, like, the big fish and stuff, where I know that the poison, where the fog that's being produced by these vampires isn't affecting the fish, and I want to get out there, and I want to get them. They were like, look, okay, fine, because they wanted, they wanted his ship anyway, because he needs to get to Baldur's Gate. And so in order to get his ship, they were like, okay, cool, well, look, here's what we'll do. We'll go out and we'll try and kill whatever it is that's stopping you from going out into those deep waters. And he was like, it's a kraken. And they were like, cool, let's go do it. So there's seven of them, all level 12. They all go out to get the kraken. As they're out there, they suddenly realize, well, one of them is wise enough to roll an arcana check, that the kraken is a pretty formidable force to be reckoned with. And they very much discovered that this kraken could probably destroy their boat in one foul swoop of its tentacle. So they look at me and I'm like, Okay, so you guys have got an option. We can play this out. Bear in mind we're an hour in and there's probably going to be a lot of deaths. This cracker's probably going to destroy the boat in one go. Or we can literally just press the rewind time clock button and go back to the dock and go back to the decision that you just made and make a totally different decision, most likely the complete opposite decision. Yeah, but it was great. And then sometimes you really need like a a big break in the consequences of stuff. Like there's nothing to do but go back in time, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was just, I mean, we're we're an hour into a six hour game and they're about to go up against like (laughs) this this monstrous creature that is like, you know, like a formidable bad guy. And I was like, "Uh, maybe it's a bad idea. Yeah. (laughs) One of those things you put in place so you're like, this is a, but don't cross this boundary. Like you, you're not supposed to go here. Like you can, like I'm not yeah. going to necessarily stop you, um, but yeah, it's a it's a soft boundary that potentially will kill all your characters. So how about we rethink this thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I mean, I I really honestly thought they weren't going to go and try and defeat this crack, and I thought they were going to be like, okay, well, we'll try and like you know maybe go around it or something. Or like, oh yeah, that sounds real serious. Let's let's look elsewhere. <laughs> right. That sound like that sound like a major crack. plot point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have. 
I, I am personally scarred by Krakens. I have a whole history with them. When mm -hmm. I started getting Rough. back into D&D at the start of 5th edition and I was playing Storm King's Thunder, um, uh, we had played a year-long campaign and a crack, one of the enemies of that module is a Kraken and I died to it last session of the game. It was, oh, it was very intense. So I still, you know, every now and then I'll have that PC of mine show up as an NPC in a game just for a brief little cameo. Um, but he's all watery themed and he's been brought back by this, you know, uh, evil spell casting Kraken that's in that game. But yeah, they're, they're intense. They are no joke. So yeah, right. good, good call, Rob. Good call. Yeah. On yeah. <laughs> yeah. I probably shouldn't have put, I, I literally thought, okay, if I just stick a Kraken here, there's no way they're going to go out to deep sea to like try and get some mm -hmm. fish. But they were like, no, let's go. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Expect the yeah. unexpected, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, James, is there um, any RPG news for this week? Yes. Well, you'll be unsurprised to hear that there is more Baldur's Gate oh, news, okay. um, as usual. <laughs> uh, so they have uh, they did their final panel from hell um, this week, I think Friday, um, where they gave a load of new information, some cool little tidbits more than more than anything, and showed some more gameplay and sort of how um, relationships develop in the game. So it would appear that pretty much everyone is romanceable, depending on who you're playing. Um, so that's... Everyone. Pretty much everyone. There was a, a, a very strange cutscene where I, I don't know if the character is a werebear or a druid who can change into a bear, but I think he loses control, so I would say werebear probably more than anything. But you start romancing him, and he changes into this bear in front of you. That and, sounds like Druid Halson. And then it? yeah, and then he like changes yeah, back out. Yeah, Druid Halson. And then has to apologize <laughs> the big and be dude like, with um, the long hair, yeah, like a yeah, big muscular elf. That's, that's Daddy Halson. I mean, sorry, that's Druid Halson. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and well, the options you have speaking back to him after that happens uh, are varied and. Um, comprehensive i would say um you can you can tell him that you enjoy his bear form um and get him to carry on with that so that's interesting oh, um, boy. God's <laughs> sakes. But, um, right well, we'll, we'll go back we'll go to the next bit of druid druidy news uh, so druids and casters who can speak with animals will be able to talk to every single animal in the game who i think they've oh, said is fully voiced God. so wow insane amount and there's only a rabbit <laughs> in the game Yes, there's right, one right. single rabbit. There's <laughs> there's one single rabbit. There's actually definitely a squirrel in the game as well, because one of the cutscenes right. they show where you wear trailers, where, yeah, where, where you're romancing someone, the squirrel sat in a tree awkwardly watching you. Which I suppose if you could and walk then, the squirrel and then up, drops and, the nut in yeah, shock. Yeah, just, just like drops his little. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's there's that, but that yeah, there's the sheer amount of like effort they put into making sure that you can like fully utilize all the abilities of the of the classes so yeah if you're a druid you're not going to be oh you there's certain animals you can talk to but apparently that it will be that there are certain quests that you can only do if you have the ability to talk to animals because they will be the quest givers and if you can't talk to them or no one else in your party can talk to them you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to find out about them and yeah. i think that's pretty cool because you'll it'll like encourage multiple playthroughs and it'll it's really cool that like choosing your class and stuff will definitely impact the game. And I, I know some people don't enjoy sort of being locked out of certain quests and stuff, but it seems like there's so much. Uh, and for it to fully reflect like the character that you've built, like it makes sense for that to happen. It won't, and there won't be major like plot lines that will have huge 
wide like reaching effects i wouldn't have thought but yeah it's cool it's i think it's cool that's really cool yeah it's great um, is it to- totally open world as well i am not 100 percent sure it's it's like areas you go through and it's sort of i was gonna yeah. say yeah. yeah so you're you're given a fair bit of um areas to explore but no there's there's very designated paths you don't really it's not true open world per se mm. Um, if you guys have played Larian's previous games, um, it's very yeah. similar in structure in, in, in terms of the map to those. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a little similar to like drag, like Dragon Age, the first, maybe the first one and the third one more than yeah. the second one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you sort exactly. of got like areas of the map you travel to. So there's like the cities and then there's like this particular bit of the forest and, right. uh, and stuff like that. And yeah. you can like, a yeah, but you can explore a section of that within each area and yeah. yeah um but yeah they they were showing off the custom the character customization um and there has been a ton more um detail you can now add to characters after um there was already quite a lot of customization in the character builder they've completely revamped the character builder um for release um and it may have come out for the last in the last update as well um but i think nice. they're still saving some stuff back for the final release so um wow. There's more scar customization, so you can add, uh, add mm. different scars. They've added a lot more hairstyles. They went through the list, and my God, it's it's huge. Um, so I don't think there's a single hairstyle that you'll struggle to find uh, in there. Um, Amazing. Uh, some new hair coloring uh, stuff, so you can have, I think, up to three different hair colors all intertwined in various um, combinations. Jesus. So, yeah, you can... So what you're saying is we're all going to spend at least eight hours on character customization and and leave it yeah at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 pretty much yeah that's that's the first yeah so if we, if we ever we, we stream this and it's going to be the first stream is just going to be us making our characters um, <laughs> painstakingly <laughs> choosing <laughs> apparently with every hairstyle they they didn't do it as if you know like it's not like lego hair where you just sort of like plop it on they like do it strand by strand which Crikey. is insane <laughs> that's insane yeah should be lego and it Ish. yeah exactly that's for like the old mass effect hair <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where it's all solid and one piece uh, like a helmet um yeah yep. uh say, exactly. so similar to the hair color uh coloration uh tieflings horns they can be two-tone colored as well so you can have like the tips oh my god oh, this color guys. and then that's yeah <laughs> um that's pretty cool <laughs> so yeah the two-tone horns are pretty cool uh loads of loads more beards for the dwarves um I saw them making a um, uh, a dwarf woman with this lovely big bushy beard with braids and stuff in. So um, that'll make people happy. Um, canonically accurate. Canonically accurate, yeah. <laughs> so that's something that people are very passionate about. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, so they've added um, some other customization. Um, so piercings are in. So earrings, nose piercings, uh, stuff like that. Um, some pretty cool looking looking ones especially for sort of elves and tieflings who've got that longer ear and they can they sort of mm. seem to have some more options. Um tattoos, more tattoos added in um for all your all your barbarians and just anyone else who thinks they look cool. So quite a lot I imagine. The only thing I I didn't see is them adding tattoos to Dragonborn. So I don't know if that's a possibility. Ooh, I'd imagine so. Can you um, can you put ink under dragon scales, I suppose is the question. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a way to colour the individual scale. But then they shed. Right. Oh, is that, that a problem? Nice. 
I, I, to be fair, do, do, do Dragonborn shed. They're not real lizards. Oh, we don't know. Uh, right, no. right. Mm. I don't, there's probably like <laughs> do a... Do you ever find, like find a... dragon skin knocking around? I don't think you do, do you? <laughs> right. Like the no. world ah, of D &D. Jerry was yeah. here. This is his scales. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, he's uh, he's yeah. been he's been putting on the weight. You can tell from the stretch in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jerry! <laughs> Poor Jerry. Um, yeah, yeah. But so also with the Dragonborn scales, that can also be two tone. But what they've added is for things like the White Dragonborn. Is there's like a pearlescent effect you can get on the on the scales, yeah. and it looks it looks very pretty. I won't I won't lie. Oh, it's well, very cool. Okay. Are you gonna um, make a White Dragonborn, James? Um. I wasn't really thinking about it. I knew I was going to make a Dragonborn, <laughs> but seeing the effect, I'm sort of very tempted by, yeah, a white Dragonborn. Yeah. I think that may be maybe the way to go. Yeah, give away the... Same. Get rid of the flame breath. We'll, we'll go with ice. <laughs> In September when it comes after the PS5. Oh, it's fine. It'll, they'll have got rid of all the bugs by then, hopefully. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Not that, not that I know, not that I've seen people complaining about bugs uh, so far. So fingers crossed that won't be any, an issue anyway. Um, okay, so the other big thing is that you'll be able to reset levels uh, and change, mul change multi-class selections, change um, subclass oh, selections <laughs> during the game. So I don't oh, think you wow. can go back and change your initial class. <clears throat> but what you can do is change a multi-class option you've had. There will be mm. apparently a character in the game who you can, I think, pay to do this for yep. you. Um, oh, in right. case you regret making that bard barbarian. Yeah, exactly. You're so keen on because it was sounded bard. funny and now you realize it doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. Bardbarian. Bardbarian. Oh, that, so... that might work. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. It's a really just... angry performer. Just run to the enemy <laughs> banging a drum. Yeah, I think, that, I think well, yeah. I, I imagine... Stat-wise, very difficult to make work, but yeah, exactly. I think it'd be quite funny. Um, <laughs> but yes, so without having to, so they didn't want you to have to restart with a whole new character every time you wanted to make some changes. So yeah, so they've allowed you to do that. Um, Great. Next up is that there are going to be hirelings that you so twelve hirelings, one for each class, um, cool. which you can then hire to be in your party if you manage to kill all the party members that you recruit as it goes through or if they leave oh, right. uh, and apparently that is very possible to do <laughs> mm. okay hey james you wouldn't happen to know if there is ways to resurrect those characters in the game right because i'm i'm one of those people where like if i if something bad happens Mm. to one of my characters i need to go reload a previous save or something and i know that's not quite how it's going to work with this one so i'm like where's my scroll of revivify i need that i feel like yeah revivify i think is going to be in the game so if you've got a cleric you're probably it's going to be easier i imagine there will be temples you can go to although i haven't read anything specific about mm. that um i don't know if they're going to try and make the deaths longer lasting to try and add some more impact to them impact sure, sure yeah um which is cool i guess it's a video game and it's obviously they're not characters like in a DD game where it's like a player character and you've got a real person sat there like well i really like that character i didn't want them to be dead mm. yet <laughs> um so yeah i imagine there will be a way to to bring them back and i can't see in combat combat um that you'd have i think you'll have to do pretty badly for them to properly be dead dead unless you're playing on the hardest difficulty which apparently it is 
what it's like if a DM is actively trying to kill you. Apparently, that's the that's what they've said. The description for that difficulty. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So pops a crack, pops a cracking in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> Deal with this. <laughs> and this little fishing boat that we can take mm. out to find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Just give you a small fishing boat and just tell you off you go. Good luck. Um, so finally, the um, last bit of customization is that you will be able to do things like find clothes dye and dye clothes to the colors you want. So you're not going to be stuck finding a really cool bit of armor or like robe or whatever and be like well I've, the stats for this are really helpful but it looks shit with what i'm wearing mm. uh so you can make those changes um and you'll have like different sets of clothes for different environments so you'll have at the very least they said camp clothes so when you go for a long rest or a short rest and you set up camp um yeah. you'll have like a little set of clothes that you automatically change into to wander around your camp in. it's quite cool like a, like bed clothes um very cool uh, I love that ooh. stuff. I remember when World of Warcraft came out with transmogrification, where you could mm. change your clothing to look like other clothing that you found, because inevitably you'd loot this awesome, badass chest piece with horns coming out of the shoulders, and then you're like, yes, ah, oh, this piece that I've been looking for and I've seen in the promo artwork forever, and then five minutes later you go accept a quest, and it's like, ah, this green tunic has ten times better stats. <laughs> but it it's a horrible <laughs> green. It, look, it looks like snot. I don't want to wear this. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> snot on my yeah, chest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the final bit of uh, Baldur's Gate news is the Baldur's Mouth, the newspaper for Baldur's Gate that is going to be mm. in the game. So not only will it report on you as you complete quests, um, uh, it will change how people react to you in the city as they read the paper and are informed by the newspaper. Um, but what they said is that one of the options is that you can break into the newspaper and plant your own stories about yourself <laughs> oh, <laughs> to influence no. what people think about you. Um, oh, great. Propaganda. So yeah, exactly. Oh, so yeah. you could do a real good PR campaign for yourself if you need the people of the city to like be on board with whatever horrible thing you're doing for playing an evil character. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So very much, yeah. That is all the Baldur's Gate news I have. Um, Rock on. Yeah. Great. Any, any other news? Uh, no, there's been quite a quite a quiet week, um, RP, TTRPG-wise. Um, yeah. I was reading about uh, a new RPG that I think released in 2021 um, that I have now completely lost the uh, my notes on. Um, so... Oh no! Yep. But in other, in other, in other, in other, we can cut that. Um, so in other nerd, uh, in other nerd news. Um, so what I what I have uh, news wise this week is just my maybe slightly controversial enjoyment of The Witcher season three, and I don't know if it's just because I'm sad that Henry Cavill was leaving and mm. um, tried to wring every last bit of enjoyment out of him playing Geralt that like I can, but I think hey, look, it's nothing. It's nothing like the books. And the books are great, and True. the story is right. probably better. They're very different things. At um, this point. Yeah. They're very different things. But if I went into watching season three of The Witcher with very little knowledge of any of the books before it, I think I think it looks good. I think it's acted well, and as a fantasy series, it's I think it's really good. Like it's a fun thing to watch. Like it's not yeah. sure. It's not like 
Oscar worthy, but it's mm. not. It's not the terrible dross. It that is a lot what of it people, is. Right? Yeah, right. it's not. It's not it bad. Is what it is. Are and, people yeah. panning the last season? Is, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard. Yeah, that. really. But yeah. I think I'm it's. Not, I'm not seeing any of it. It's mm. it's good. I've not seen it's it's in all three I seasons. I haven't quite started a new season, but I have been a long time Witcher fan, even technically before the third game came out, mm. and have cosplayed as Geralt. I made my own Gwent deck and um, did uh, play the video game obviously a, a million times. Um, so I was very very impressed actually by the the release of the show yes the books are very very different that doesn't mean it wasn't good you know and there was a lot of homage paid to Geralt from the books and yeah. even a little bit to the voice actor who voiced uh Geralt in the uh in the video games so yeah, yeah wow. I found it pretty good I I can't wait can't wait for uh season three with your glowing review there James I, I think it's I think it's the best of which has been damned. um since the first like couple of episodes where which mm -hmm. I thought were, were very good as well. I think it's, yeah, I think it's probably some of the best Witcher TV. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Looking forward to it. I have to check it out. I've literally, I've literally never watched one episode. Oh, it's, 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 it's definitely worth a watch. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. I will. Yeah. It's, um, I, I feel like the, the world of the Witcher and there is a Witcher TTRPG out there. One of our, one of mm. our DMs runs, um, mm -hmm. a Witcher has. TTRPG, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Mike. Yeah. I think it's Mike. Mike did for for a little Mike. while. Yeah, he's, he's oh, not for a little while. Oh, right. I was no, I was always planning on like trying to sit in and see how the RPG plays out. But the world of The Witcher has mm. always it's really really fascinating to me. Um, not just because the the threat of monsters is much much more visceral, I think, than D and D. D and D is chock full of heroes and very powerful magic that will pop out into the world and deal with these monsters on the regular. Um, but not only are the monsters from the Witcher world based in a lot of like Eastern European folklore, and there are some truly terrifying things out there like botchlings and stuff that just mm -hmm. prey on uh, like parables and familial values and stories and things like that. It was just horrendous, um, but creative and amazing. Um, but there's also very few people qualified to deal with these things. And on top of that, sort of very threatening world where witchers are kind of a necessary evil part almost monster themselves um you also have a lot of really good politics built into the story so it's mm, got okay. that game of thrones juice where there's competing factions and cities that are warring with one another and in the middle of it all is Geralt, who doesn't really want to get caught up in all of these world events he's just a witcher but inevitably mm. he does yeah. Okay, sweet. I'll have to definitely check it out. They're also, the, the books are very good. And I know, Rob, you've read what all of the Wheel of Time. So you can mm. you can get through books. Okay. <laughs> I, I know mm. you can. <laughs> There's a lot I less do, of I, them. I used, I, used, I, used to, I used to consume them for breakfast, pretty much. But I, like, like, you, like, I couldn't get through the first couple of Wheel of Time books. I, I think mm. I tried three times on separate occasions. And I was like... I've heard this gets better, but I can't. You can't hold my interest, and I never got through it. I went. I went audio. I went audiobook to, to get through the the first mm. few. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's that's kind of where I'm going now with a lot of the stuff. I'm 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 reading the Final Empire, and I read that, and then I go in the car and I listen to it, mm. and then I <laughs> up, up, then I update where I'm in the book, and I'm like I'm literally like going storming through it. Ooh, it's cool. one of the yeah. the functions of Kindle. I really like if you've got the Kindle app or a uh, Kindle, you could read on the Kindle and then Audible will update 
to the same place in the book that you were reading go to the same page mm. uh oh, and so you amazing. can like switch between the two formats really I really no easily idea they did that that's really yeah cool. that's, that's really that's yeah it's pretty cool yeah so jc you've got the community update what's oh, been going yes, on in our rolled out games from last week all right, so we have two submissions this week, one from Seb and one from Jordan. I'm going to start off with Seb's. Um, here's what he he wrote. Uh, I had a good story from a game for the podcast. Well, in one recent game, one of my players, who's playing a technomancer fighter, essentially one of my homebrews, a.k.a. Seb's homebrews, I'm reading as him, wanted to see if she could use a warpstone shard to power up her homunculus workbench and familiar. I advised it would be a difficult check and could end badly. So, naturally, she rolled a nat 1 on her technomancy check. The resulting explosion of arcane energy and shards of torn apart robot almost killed the entire party in one go. Since then, the party has elected to babysit her character and never let her get anything potentially explosive in her hands again. (laughs) (laughs) A classic sort of thing to happen. Um, I had that happen with, uh, I think it was our very first, maybe our second, but I'm, I'm tempted to say it was our very first session of one of my very first Roll Dark campaigns. We had a wild magic sorcerer. They cast a spell. The barbarian was standing right next to them. The rest of the party was right there, and they rolled the result that had a fireball goes off centered on yourself. Nobody died, oh. but we got real close. <laughs> that was a that was a classic bit. Oh yeah, fun fun times. Okay, all right. This next submission is from our new roll dark DM Jordan, who hosted a stag do D and D one shot game this past week. Here's a summary of what went down. Important to this story is how Jordan introduced a unique twist and a few of his own homebrew rules for this one-shot. At the beginning of the adventure, the players discovered that their character sheets were mostly blank, save for their race and equipment. Unbeknownst to them, the story revolved around their characters having embarked on a stag do the night before. Consequently, the characters woke up with severe hangovers, struggling to recollect anything from the previous night. As the players progressed through the adventure, battling various monsters in a coliseum, they had to overcome challenges and regain their memories, including their stats, class, and abilities. To make the game more stag-centric, Jordan implemented rules such as taking a drink if the stag took damage, and two drinks if he fell unconscious. He also had a unique stag inspiration mechanic, where the other players could grant the stag a re-roll on any d20 roll, and the stag himself got a special golden d20, where all the results were changed to a critical hit. But if the die landed on an actual natural 20 then something extraordinary would happen. So, as the players went through the various Colosseum challenges, fighting off harpies and other monsters as they slowly regained their memories and skills, they finally reached the final climactic encounter, a wyvern. After a fierce struggle with the stag player character already badly wounded, the stag used his golden d20, aided by various stag inspiration rolls from his friends, to finally land a natural 20. He launched the party's fighter into the air towards the wyvern, defying all laws of physics, and the fighter severed the wyvern's head in one single slice, both of them falling to the floor to the deafening eruption of cheers from the Colosseum's crowd, and the beautiful bride-to-be rushing down from the stands to embrace the stag. Overall, an epic end to a no-doubt memorable encounter. Well done, Jordan! 
And for any players listening, that's the kind of epic experience you can expect from a Roll Dark GM for stag dues, birthdays, or just a general night of fun with friends. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Yeah, right. James, you have thoughts, clearly. Oh, I, I've, I, I've, I've done stag twos before, and they are they're great fun. And yeah, if you can incorporate drinking games into them as well, even better. I love the, That's the best part. Yes, I love the stats and the the hangover esque uh, take on it. That's that's really cool. Yeah. That's not something I've done before, uh, but something I will definitely have to try. Um, mm. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, the gold the gold d twenty for the stag is very cool. That's an interesting mm. yeah, idea. That was a cool yeah. one. Special yeah. stag inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good. Cool. So we um, we discussed in the last podcast about um, the RPG horror stories Reddit thread, didn't we? Yeah. And uh, I think um, I think since then, James, you've been doing a little bit of uh, swimming around in that thread, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. I've got I've got a couple. I've got a couple. Um, (laughs) So um, yeah, I'll get started. This is um, a um, user fingerless fighter. Um, It's a throwaway account, and it is based on the story. So that gives you a slight insight into where we're going with this right um so we go. the title of the post is gm thinks player with oversized oversized sword ruins his game world takes a finger as revenge so background this is the background for the story um uh, when i was in college some friends introduced me to D. i instantly got hooked and the group i was in was fabulous we played many different systems slash campaigns for the three to four years we were together Fast forward to 2016, and I had just graduated and moved to a different state for work. After a few months of settling in, I decided that I wanted to try and find a new group. One day at work, I mentioned that I wanted to get back into D&D to a co-worker, Billy, and he mentioned that a game he was GMing just wrapped up. He went on to say that he was interested in starting up a new game with other co-workers and asked if I would like to join. I accepted, as he seemed like a good guy, and I honestly felt more comfortable playing with co-workers than people I didn't know. After asking around, yeah, exactly, yeah, that makes sense. It is a lot easier to play with people that you know. Um, After asking around, Billy and myself managed to recruit enough people to start a game. Okay, so that's a background for the story. This is the story. Mm. The group assembled at GM Billy's apartment for a session zero. We were playing Pathfinder, and most of the players were brand new to TTRPGs, aside from Billy and his wife. Everyone I didn't already know from work seemed friendly. Billy advised us of his rules, which included things to make sure that players stayed comfortable and weren't thrown into any kind of uncomfortable slash uncontrollable situation. The main rule, however, that was we could only build characters using the core rulebook, since the majority of the table was new players. Okay, cool. No issues there. I will admit I was a bit bummed as I'd already had a class picked out, but no worries. Core keeps things simple. The night ended with Billy handing us pre-built character sheets to run a short combat session. Overall, I left the first session feeling positive. The next day, myself and the rest of the players created a group chat to start working on character concepts. I decided that since they were new, I would wait until the others had picked to fill out what was needed. Uh, A few days later, everyone had picked and we ended up with a monk, a cleric, a bard, a sorcerer, who was Billy's wife, uh, and I decided I was going to play a fighter. A few days before session one, I showed Billy my character, a not-so-smart or wise human named Joron, who, with some feet work, wielded an oversized bastard sword. Billy had some concerns. Um, So, uh, now we go into a script-like dialogue. Billy, so, 
You're playing a male fighter who is big and dumb. Are you going to be able to art roleplay a man properly? Me. Yes. I've played male characters before with no issue. Um, Billy. Just know that I take RP encounters very seriously and I will hold you to character. Just make sure you keep up the act. I feel like I should point out that I prefer to play male characters in RPGs, even though I'm female. I learned sort of quickly that NPCs slash players tend to point out that you're a girl when you play one and want to RP as such. So it's easier mm. to just be a man's man, which is a sad experience, I think, to have had because that's not yeah. on the games. Yeah. That's shitty DMs and GMs yeah, sort of it is. weirdly focusing on that aspect of your oh, character. So, ridic- so ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because if you're yeah, if you're talking to a cleric or a rogue, you focus on that. You don't need to. Yeah. Exactly. What's what's I mean, gender got to gender do? Gender has nothing to do with it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, anyway, shortly after that conversation, they had their first session. Uh, things were good at first. The party met up at some small tavern in some small town. Classic, classic uh, adventure start. Um, standard adventurers fair. Uh, Jorom. Cliche. Yeah. Cliche. Perfect. Uh, that's how my very first roll dart game started in the tavern. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joram and Monk became quick friends with uh, Monk, vowing to someday round out some of Joram's sharp edges. The party left town for the big city to complete a quest that was given to them by the mayor. On the way out, the party got into their first ever combat encounter together. And oh dear lord, that first combat encounter. We were ambushed by a band of four to five highway robbers. Everybody but Monk and Sorcerer rolled horrible initiative, which meant most of the party was taking their turns after the enemies. Monk goes first and rolls his first dice of the game, and their first dice of any RPG that they played. This is a brand new player. Crit failure. So so what what the DM does is after rolling from a crit failure table, um, Billy announces that the Monk has hit himself um, below the belt, um, which causes him to be stunned for four turns. Which, right. <laughs> which, if you don't know, is pretty much an entire combat at that point. So that's his very first combat in any sort of scenario, and he just instantly oh, doesn't get to play. That's it. a result that he drew from a critical failure table? Four yeah. turns? Yeah, well, apparently yeah. he rolled a d4, and yeah, it came sure, out as four. But it's four, right. Just That's... No, that's over. Yeah. That's one, one at max. Right. And even then, I think in this case, you just fudge it, and you're like, critical yeah, failure. It's the first, right? Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. I don't use critical failure tables unless I I think there's like a really big combat, and I think it'll add something to. If you really badly mess up, then there will be a long lasting effect. But it'll be a it'll be a lasting effect, not an this is immediately going to ruin your experience of this combat. Right. Effect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the, the monk's player was visibly upset uh, as he knows he's most likely out for the rest of the encounter. Billy announces that it's the sorcerer's turn and his wife picks up the dice. So, quick side note. When I first met Sorcerer during the session zero, she bragged about playing Pathfinder for years with Billy and specifically mm. mentioned how she only played Sorcerer because she knew the ins and outs of the class super well and loved big flashy fire magic. Somehow, with a combination of roleplay, asking Billy what her spells did, pondering the best location to use area spells, and theory crafting the ideal attack, the sorcerer managed to make her turn last 21 real world minutes. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh my god. So, wow, what a, what a start. 
realistically you're aiming for one to two minutes tops <laughs> maybe three or four if it's like oh this, this is a load of really, complicated options yeah this is something that really really bugs me if you're if you're like if you're fir- if you're first on initiative like fine your turn is probably going to be the longest because you haven't oh had God. time to think about what you're going to do like yeah. everyone else should be thinking about what they're going to do they should be going right my, my character's going to do this yeah. i'm going to do this i'm going to yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's like um, like it's common courtesy surely and granted, combat will change, right? In, mm, in certain yeah. scenarios, like, oh, you know, this was, I was going to cast a fireball when everybody was gathered here, but now everyone's spread out, so I have to rethink. But you yeah. still are doing that while other people are taking their mm-hmm. turns. So, yeah, absolutely, it's, like you said, common courtesy, and don't don't hold it up. There's a, <laughs> there's a module that I don't use uh, on Foundry, but some people do, where there's actually a massive timer, and it shows <laughs> you how long right. your turn has been elapsing <laughs> so far and it and you can also set it to it's a one minute you know countdown yeah that doesn't always pan out because you know you have to calculate effects and stuff but especially mm. as you get later on in levels like james a, this is yeah. a first level combat yeah yeah exactly like bandits Ooh. you don't you don't have many oh, options man. at first level like no. What? no even with pathfinder come on no yeah Ex- exactly it's yeah. it's way too long and yeah. if it was a total beginner player you'd expect one the dm to help him out anyway so it doesn't take right, this long right like, here, oh, someone so what do you want to do you want to hurt the most people yeah okay, here's how you do that you want to get that one guy in particular you want to heal right yeah exactly yeah mm. you can guide him through that. just like what do you want to achieve out of what uh, out of your turn i can help you mechanically I, with what you need to do yeah this is would yeah. be this would be the best way to go about doing that you can also do this and this but this is the best way to do what you've just said right um yeah but for for it to be a player as well who was like bragging about yeah I I I'm so good um uh, playing a sorcerer I I know exactly what I'm doing um okay so we should sc- um, we should uh James we should we should post this um if we can post a link to our podcast in the comments of this uh of this <laughs> oh that'd be, be great like, yeah we've analysed your uh, your game. <laughs> yeah. to see you know we got you back it was only it was only posted a day ago so if we're real speedy um <laughs> there'll still be people looking at it uh okay yeah. so uh the sorcerer's spell managed to deal light damage so after all that bit of light damage, light damage. <laughs> to one of the enemies after using an area of effect spell one of the enemies um Oof. which led them to taking which led them to be taking their turns the enemy's now taking their turns um sure. so they've done their turns and finally it was um our our storyteller's a turn fighter. with a fighter oh. with the oversized sword. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, Joram swung his big sword and got a lucky roll, dealing max damage and outright one-shotting one of the highwaymen. With another lucky roll, he downed another uh, as they had the ability that let them attack multiple targets in a turn as long as they were next to each other. Billy that paused is- the combat and asked for my character sheet. I handed it over to him and after a few minutes later, he hands it back and says, we need to talk. He brings me outside onto the balcony and starts lecturing oh, about how power gaming is in poor taste, blah, blah, blah. I said that I wasn't trying to sneak anything by him or power game and had shown him my exact character sheet earlier in the week, which has been mentioned before. Story. Uh, yeah. Reminding him of the conversation we had previously where it was mentioned. Um, also, as a note, you are fully within the rules of the game allowed to wield a bastard sword uh, that's a that's a bit too big for you. You just take, uh, I think it's a minus two 
in Pathfinder to your attacks. So yeah, it's already right. in game a drawback. It's, it's already right, balanced yeah. in the game. Yeah, um, yeah. Just just a couple of lucky rolls and suddenly mm-hmm. it's overpowered. Because yeah, it'll do a bit more damage. You're just less likely to hit. That's the trade off. You you get, but sometimes you'll get lucky and you get the hits and you get the you get the kills. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So um, he he grumbled a bit. Billy grumbled a bit uh, and said that oversized bastard swords would look too silly for a normal sized fighter to wield. And his bastard, uh, sorry, and his campaign, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> And he was a bastard. Um, and his campaign was too serious to allow it. Uh, it ruins the game world uh, I created. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't ruin the game it world. It really created. doesn't. I no. mean, I'm sorry. So, 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 so excuse my ignorance. So is, it, is a bastard sword basically a massive claymore? Uh, mm. So it's technically, technically supposed a to be... Different thing. Yeah, it's, it's like a hand a, and a half sword. Yeah, it's so like a big long sword, and you're supposed to be able to yeah. wield it with one hand or two. In this instance... Uh, the fight will have had to use it with two hands, uh, which means they couldn't use a shield either. So that's another drawback to having to use an oversized weapon is you don't get the shield either. Um, So yeah, even more drawbacks and reasons for it to not be broken or power gaming um, because your AC will be lower. Um, (coughs) So so yeah, Yeah, it's essentially essentially just a big longsword. And I guess it will be this, as it's a giant or an oversized bastard sword, it will be a slightly bigger than normal bastard yeah. sword probably Clay- use- claymore is a more specific term claymores at least historically were used even though they were cutting weapons more like pole arms and yeah. like right. glaives and and pikes and such um a hand and a half sword or a bastard sword is actually meant to be wielded either way in pathfinder of course yeah they they require two hands for it but the design of it at least medievally historically was that it could be used depending on what was needed in battle with either two swords for greater leverage or or sorry two hands for greater leverage or one hand just if you had to grip something else so you you still have the potential to swing it if in this case it's a particularly large bastard sword then yeah okay it's what we used in in other games and like in D, we call a great sword so that's it okay yeah yeah cool exactly so right. um <laughs> yeah they look too Thanks silly so. it ruins the game world i created so that's ridiculous rubbish yeah. uh, i offered <laughs> so then then she offers to change weapons before the next session or roll a new fighter outright uh, but he declined saying just don't surprise me with anything else he wasn't surprised um, <laughs> yeah very gaslighty at this point just don't surprise yeah, me i didn't terrible. i didn't bloody surprise you um at this point i'm uncomfortable looking up to the six foot angry gm and just want to get back inside so i agree the session ended shortly after with the rest of the highway robbers running away and nobody else getting a combat turn. So he's thrown his toys out the pram oh. and also just ruined the encounter for everyone else by being like, fine, everyone else runs away. No, we're not playing this anymore. Wow. Oh, what a loser. <sighs> what a child. <laughs> okay, so uh, at this point, I was honestly thinking about leaving the game as the first session left a pretty bad taste in my mouth. Very understandable. Sure. And probably what should have been done. But it's, but it's hard as well. This? Oh, yeah, there's more. Um, <laughs> uh, God, am I? I suppose oh, the, the rough thing about this it's... is that they're colleagues. So yeah, short of leaving yeah, a leaving God, a job, yeah. this is yeah. maybe this is a reason. Like, unless you're already friends with them, maybe playing D and D with work colleagues is yeah. is, is 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 a risk. <laughs> it's a funny one, isn't it? Because like, it's so sad when you hear these sorts of stories, especially because these are new players that have never played before, and this mm. is their introduction to the game. Yeah. Is a DM that just wants to just control everything. It's to the point of like the finest detail at the sac at the, at the sacrifice of the player's fun. Yeah. 
Right. Like, what is exactly. what is that all I, about? That's I, just that's just like ridiculous. Yeah. It's the, like it should be the other way around. You should be yep. sacrificing yourself so for their fun. Yeah. So I so guarantee so. not a single other player at that table had a problem with this sword. No. I bet when they, when their teammate that sounds like, like fun. Managed and, to and, kill know, two of a, them it's like a classic that. Classic trope. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dumb, big dumb fighter, big dumb sword. It yeah. sounds like fun. Have at yeah. it. It goes. It goes back to what I said before, actually, doesn't it? Where I said about the. How some DMs still want to be a player, and they feel exactly. like when they're playing their game, that's they're they're is. playing too, and that's like like their their bandits were getting hurt. So how dare you hurt my bandits, kind of thing? It's like yeah, it's like and, that and kind that's, of that's weird. That's the other thing. That's ugh. yeah. Sorry, sorry, Rip. but that's no, go on, go on. the same aspect. Um, I was just gonna say, it's even in that sense. Sure, a DM does want to be a player, and they get to be a player, right? Yes, we're also storytellers, we're also coaches, we're also narrators, but we're also, you know, sometimes we just want to, you know, show off a cool monster or a cool group of enemies or whatever. But the point of that is, you can be a player without wanting to smash the board up with all your pieces you don't have to be an aggressive combat player right you don't have to be like well my guy kills yours first that's such like a almost petulant Mm. mentality right yeah that's what this dm sounds like he was doing like oh power gaming isn't really good i'm sorry you've had the worst start to the combat ever one Mm. guy totally missed totally flubbed um and can't do anything for the next four rounds um, one person did minimal damage to the other groups. And then the first time that this other person comes in and manages to save the day, like there's so many different ways to spin this rather than, oh, well, you know, power gaming's in poor taste. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's fine. Power gaming's yeah. mostly fine. <laughs> so so did, she, did, she, did she kick his head in at the end? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately not um no um so yes uh at this point i was only thinking about leaving the game after the first session left a bad taste in my mouth Mm -hmm. but i continued anyway as i didn't want to deal with awkwardness at work like i said yeah sure and and yeah that it it would be horrible to deal with i guess unless you can find another way out like oh suddenly on a tuesday night i've got pilates i don't know Uh, i go to the gym Mm -hmm. then now i've got i've got a personal trainer and they've set me up sessions in um I do bowls. I've I've taken up bowling, and I prefer it to D anD D, which I mean, uh, in this game, uh, totally understandable. Go bowls. Um, <laughs> okay, so yes, um, but they really uh, yes. So during the next session, the party finds a cave, and after a few puzzles, happens upon a chest with multiple magic items in it. The monk gets hand wraps that work with his abilities. Sorcerer gets a cloak that gives her an extra spell casting. Uh, and the others get something that helps their class i find a magic ring after making a particularly high spellcraft roll the sorcerer tells me that the ring will improve my chance to hit by two this effect just so happens to negate the penalty i take from using an oversized weapon so it does seem like the dm has maybe come around at this point and is like okay well as a peace offering i'll give you this thing that sort of negates that negative uh, impact of um uh uh of your of your weapon um so obviously the fighter immediately puts on the the ring very happily um and immediately their hp starts to drop uh as starting from the finger the ring that the arm was on starts to blacken uh dm billy no it turns out the ring Joram so carelessly puts on is cursed. Maybe now he will think twice about equipping random items from a dungeon without getting them properly checked first. 
than this this person Despite out of character. Spellcraft yeah. Rule. yeah, out of character. Why would Joram think that the ring was cursed? Not only did everyone else get a non-cursed item, the sorcerer rolled really high as well on that check and pretty confidently told me it was safe. I'm not sure what else I could have done here. Uh, Billy, this is a powerful cursed item. Sometimes you can't always trust your party to get things right. So I try to take the ring off, but of course it won't come off. Billy tells me that I have two minutes, real world time, um, to find a way. So we'll put a timer on this, but not not a 21 minute turn on combat. That's fine. Yeah. Sure, right. Oh, man. <laughs> to find a way to remove it or Joram will die. In the end, everything that everyone tries doesn't work and we end up cutting off the finger that the ring was on. Billy announces that because I am now missing a finger, I had to take an additional penalty to attack as well as any skill that requires the use of that hand. Can it be restored or healed at a temple, I asked. Short answer, no. That cursed ring was so powerful that any attempts would fail for sure. Is there a magic item that is not cursed that I could have from the chest? No. I asked him later, out of character, if there was any solution other than cutting my finger off, but he dodged the question with nothing that your character could think up with his low intelligence. Oh, God. And that's it. That's how my character lost a finger permanently with no way of recovering it. So wow. that is the end of the story. He's a douche, that, that DM. That, Crikey. that I, w- I would quit work. <laughs> I would stop working. <laughs> yeah, right. Or change yeah, jobs. Right. Yeah. I would yeah. find a new career. I, wow. I hope she that's was his boss. Awful person. <laughs> uh, that would be a great <laughs> twist. It turns out I'm his yeah. boss. I found a yeah, right. way to fire him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. going to make his a, life a, a living hell. Mm. Oh, I'm so mm. sorry. Your last paycheck was cursed. Oh, there appears to be a permanent negative modifier to the amount you take home each month. That's a shame. Uh, With your intelligence, there's no, no way you could have prevented this. So don't worry. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, don't, so don't, DM, don't DM like this, people. Don't, no. don't mm. ever do it. Oof. Yeah, no way. And that is kind of a good place to put in our housekeeping, I suppose, in terms of Roll Duck. So those of you who've never heard of us, we're a community of role players made up of 30 dungeon masters and over 360 active members in our Discord. Weekly, we have around 150 players engaged in games, um, all online at the moment, although we do, of course, offer private face-to-face bookings for DMs in your local area. So if you want to have a professional dungeon master who also happens to be a professional actor or voice artist, then we are the guys you need to come to. Check out our website, www.rolldark.co.uk, which is R-O-L-L-D-A-R-K.co.uk, and there you'll find all the details. We offer corporate games, private bookings, we've got public games that you can join as an individual solo player, and yeah, we also run a number of events throughout the year, in-person events, which are fully cosplayed as your character. So we had like a guy who won that last one who was dressed as a full-on knight. He had a wicked helmet that he made out of tinfoil, full-on armor. It was awesome. Um, you can check out our videos on YouTube. If you type in Roll Dark Fest, you'll find them on there. And uh, yeah, we're basically a huge community. So we're always posting new games online for people to join. So come on over. If you want to experience dungeon mastering by the professionals, we're the guys for you. And that, everyone, is all we have time for. Thank you to both my co-hosts, James and JC. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow us, and download. Go check out our website, www.broduck.co.uk. So until next week, dear listeners, cherish every friendship forged, savour the stories you've shared, 
and let the magic of the tabletop guide you on your own extraordinary quests. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.